everyone. Good to see you. Stand a little bit reserved. Good morning. Oh, it's excellent you are there. It's good to be here and it's good to consider um, this amazing, amazing passage of scripture. If you've not um, listened, if you weren't here last week and you've not listened already, I'd encourage you to go and download the podcast or go and look at the sermon on the church's YouTube channel from last week where Luke introduced the background to this incredible prayer and talked about the, the beginning lines, the holiness of God. Today we are going to consider the next little bit, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. These words are so familiar, so familiar to us, that sometimes, sometimes we need to engage with them in a slightly different way. And so this morning, what I'd like to do is, I'd like to share a story with you, a proper story, a story where, well, it's about your life, and it's about my life, but it's about the lives of every single person that there's ever been. In fact, this story starts before time began, and the story has not yet finished. It's a story about a kingdom. It's a story about a king who is the king of this kingdom. It starts before the earth even was, where galaxy upon galaxy, numerous beyond measure, with literally hundreds of billions of stars floated round in the cosmos. Our minds struggle to get our heads round this, but even then, there was a king. There was a king over the stars. There was a king over the planets. There was a king over the cosmos. And he was the good king, the only true king, the best king, and the king reigned over his kingdom. And then, and then, the earth began. And the king brought all things into being. Because this king desired to have those who would love him as he loved them. And so the earth and all that was in it is a reflection of the love of this one king, the great king. And the king desired for all in his creation to love him right back. There was a while that the king walked on the earth with those that he had chosen to have relationships with. And he loved them. After a while, they loved him too. And the king ruled over the kingdom, and all was well, and all was perfect. And then, those who the king loved decided they knew better than the king. Their choices, the will of their hearts, was better than the one who had brought them into being, who loved them beyond measure. And they decided on their own way. And suddenly, all was not well in the kingdom. Let me be clear to you. The king reigned over his kingdom then. But those that were within it did not choose 
to live the way the king wanted, according to his ways and his will. The kingdom was broken. Well, time went by. Quite a bit of time went by. Ones and twos discovered the great king and chose to live his way, to bow the knee and to serve this great king. But by and large, by and large, the people of the earth did not. And so the kingdom, whilst still there, was not a kingdom where those within it recognized the king. It was cycling. The good news, though, is that that isn't the end of the story. The good news is that the king had a plan. It was a great plan. He was going to show the people of the earth just how much he loved them and bless them beyond measure. How would he do this? Well, he picked a person called Abraham, who would be the father of a nation. And he said, the king to Abraham, I will make you the father of a, of a great nation, and I will bless you, and you will be a blessing to all peoples on the earth. This was the plan of the king, to show the people of the world something of this kingdom. And the desire was that the king's love and the king's compassion for those people would be made known through this new nation. Well, that was good. The king reigned over the kingdom. That hadn't stopped. And sometimes those people, those people chose to live the way of the king. But sometimes they didn't. Sometimes they chose their own way and their own will instead and then decided that the king's way was not the best. Things didn't always go right when that happened. In fact, the wheels came off spectacularly more than once. But they didn't learn. They didn't, they didn't learn. The king decided to leave this nation to a place that he would give them. It was called the promised land. And so the people eventually got their head around this. And it took some time. And there was one or two false starts, but eventually they entered a land that was flowing with blessing, with milk and honey and all good things. And suddenly the kingdom looked not just like a people, but like also a place. And for a while, things were well. Things were good. And the king reigned over the kingdom. He always had. He always did. But sometimes the people of that land chose not to walk the way of the king. In fact, in fact, they struggled so much to serve a king, to worship a king that they couldn't see, that they decided they wanted their own king. And so eventually the great king said, okay, and there were above them the people appointed kings in the tribes of Israel and of Judah. And these kings were earthly kings that ruled over them. 
some of those were good people and ruled well according to the great king's wishes, but some of them decided that they knew best, that their will was better than the great king's, and they went another way. They got tempted by all kinds of stuff in life. All kinds of things got in the way of the great king's way of life. And so the king reigned over the kingdom, the great king. But the king, sometimes, more often than not, chose not to bow the knee to the great king. It ended them in real trouble. Because despite the fact that warnings were given, the land that the king had given them was taken from them. They ended up being taken by enemies to different places and different parts of the, the, the world. And so they were exiled away from this one place that had been given them. It seemed like all was lost. It seemed like the big project of the great king was lost forever in the disobedience and the self-will of those whom he loved, but who chose not to love him back. Well, that's not the end of the story either. Because, because amongst those people, God spoke to some. They were called prophets. And they spoke words of hope to a people that had turned their back on the great king. Once again, there was a rescue plan that was in place. And some of those prophets, whilst the people were away in exile, said some incredible things to them. Rejoice greatly, daughter of Zion, said one of them. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, Hallelujah. Riding on a donkey? Wait, what? I mean, that's not like national standard process for the entry of a victorious king. But you see, there was still a plan. And even then, the king reigned over his kingdom. And the people... Some loved him, and some chose their own way and their own will. But still, the king had a plan. It was a good plan. It was, it was a really good plan. So, a few years later, well, a few hundred years later, something significant happened. Most of you guys know this story. A baby was born. A baby was born in the most insignificant of places, to the most insignificant of people, at a time that was of no great significance. But suddenly, suddenly, something changed forevermore. Why? Well, because the king, the great king, was here. Amongst us. In the form of a human being. A baby that had no cost, no place of his own, to a young couple in an insignificant place. But all of the cosmos knew 
that something had changed in the kingdom on that day. Angels, angels sang of the arrival of the king. Those that were observers recognized something special had happened and traveled miles from afar to come. And when they came to the babe in the manger, they didn't just coot, 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 coot. They didn't bring nappies, it might have been more helpful. But actually, they brought gifts for a king. And they bowed down and they worshipped this one. And the king reigned over his kingdom. Is anyone a little bit? Some of you heard of eventually. Be excited. Here's the thing. The king grew. And then the kingdom was demonstrated to the people. Suddenly, it didn't just sound like an idea or a concept. It's, it looked like a person who was the king who showed them what the kingdom looked like. And it was a weird old kingdom, like none that any had ever seen before topsy-turvy and upside down, where those that were the least suddenly were the greatest, and those that were greatest seemed to be brought low, where giving away was far better than getting for ourselves, where an attitude of heart that was one for peace ruled over that, which is an attitude of one for war, where there was a sense of compassion for all people, rather than just for those who we like or for whom we'd get on well with, or who could get us to good places in this world. This was a different kingdom than anyone had seen manifest before themselves before. The thing is, there was a bit of a clash. Because this kingdom clashed with all those around and about. Including, including the kingdom that had been created from amongst those people that God had chosen way back in the time of Abraham. Somehow, the king's kingdom was up against these. Some did not like it. Some hated this. And so, the king was brought to a point where those that ruled over at that point the Romans, took the king, nailed him to a cross, and crucified him. And once again, it looked like the whole kingdom thing was done. That it was all over. That the experiment once again had not worked. Something, something had got in the way. The will of people was not the will of the king. And it would appear that the will of the people had won out over the king at that point in time. Except, well, please, I hope you know the story. I hope you know the story. Those of us that have gathered in this place this morning just sang about it. Three days later. Three days later. Things are alive. How could it be? How could it be? Everyone knew that the king was dead. 
wrapped up and buried in a tomb. Yet the tomb lay open, the stone rolled away, and the king was alive. And the king, the king roared over his kingdom that day. I am alive. I rule and I reign. And the kingdom is now here. Is anyone excited about that? Great news. You. So the kingdom, the kingdom was here, but, but the work was not yet done. You see, the king returned back to heaven, but didn't leave us alone. Said, look, the spirit, my spirit, this Holy Spirit, will be with you. Always. And so you guys, me, we today have the strength of God, the spirit of God, the king who is with us and in us and for us that manifests his kingdom today in you and in me. And the king, and the king loves all of those who are in his kingdom. But here's the thing. Tragically, some don't love the king. Some choose their own way instead of the king's way. You'd kind of think after that story, we'd have learned, wouldn't you? Yet apparently, some of us choose our way instead of the king's way. Even today. But as he left, he said, look, I'm coming again. There will be a return of the king. I am coming again, said the great king. And when I do, when I do, I will love the people. And every one of them will then bow the knee to me. And every one of them will say that I am the Lord the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings, every single one of them. And then the kingdom, and then the kingdom will be complete as it was at the very beginning, where the king walked amongst his people, and his people are in perfect relationship with the king again. And the king will reign forever. The king will reign forever over his kingdom. It's a great story. Well, I love it. Do you like it? It's a, it's a brilliant story. That's what Jesus was drawing on when he tells his disciples to, say, to pray these words. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the context, right, of those words. Why are we to pray those words today? Well, because we're part of that story. You and I and every single one of us is part of that story. Part of the kingdom of God that is present at least in part here and now. We have a place and a role within that story. You and I, you and I are today those that in the power of the Spirit manifest, show what the kingdom of the great king looks like here and now. 
the next slide, we shall come up and maybe show something of this. Some of you will be aware of this phrase that is sometimes banded around that the kingdom, the now and not yet of God's kingdom. This, very oversimplistic, we'll never really understand its terms, is a representation of that. That as Jesus, the king, comes, so the ruler of the kingdom comes, and something spiritually, cosmically happens at that point in time. That as that king who loves us gives himself completely and dies for those who he would choose to rule over all that he has created, that something significant happens. The, the veil that is in the temple turns in two. The, the presence of God in the Holy of Holies is, is, is everywhere. And suddenly, suddenly the kingdom breaks out in ways that it has never been seen or experienced before. And then the roar of the king as the stone rolls away from the tomb means that the kingdom is present. But still, but still, we are not at that point where every knee has bowed, where every tongue has confessed that Jesus is Lord, Lord of Lords and King of Kings. And so, my prayer, my prayer is yours too. The prayer of those who have gone before us for centuries, those that were followers of the King, have prayed Maranatha, which is, come Lord. Come Lord Jesus. That's what they're praying for. Because when he does, the kingdom of God, in its fullness and in its completeness, reigns here on earth. And so before all else, and in all else, and faced with all kinds of difficulties and all kinds of crises in our lives and as a nation and in our world, that is my prayer. Come, sovereign Lord. Come, Lord Jesus. But we're not called just pray that prayer. We're called to live a life on the dashes, on those dashes. What does life on those dashes look like? Because you and I are called to be a sign of God's kingdom, God's kingdom manifest, present in this world today. What does that look like? Well, look, it can look like all kinds of different things. It can look like a food for someone that's homeless on the streets of Plymouth. And that, when those of us that are followers of Jesus and the way of the kingdom, is not social action. It's not social services. That is a manifestation of the kingdom of God present here and now. That's why we do that. And it looks like, it looks like making sure that those that are isolated or vulnerable in our society are not forgotten, that their voice is heard, and that their needs are met. And we do that not because we're nice. God save us from being nice. I mean, it's okay, but, but please, I mean, be nice to me, particularly, to each other. No, no. The reason we do that is because that's a manifestation of the kingdom of God here and present now. Something that will be there in the future when there will be no one who is homeless. There'll be no one who's vulnerable. There'll be no one who's isolated. There will be no one who is sick. Well, we're called to be those that are signs 
and symbols, manifestations of that kingdom, the king's kingdom, in the here and now. What does the kingdom of God look like this week with the coronavirus to you and to me and to this church? Because this is where the rubber hits the road, folks. Every day, not just once in a while when someone else has organized something for us to get on board with, but every day, this question is for each of us. What does God's kingdom look like here and now, this week, in the midst of this worldwide global crisis? What does the kingdom of God look like now? In my household, and in my street, and in this city, and in my place of work, or my place of education? What does the kingdom look like in here and now? Here's the wonderful thing. And we'll come into close just shortly. But let me say this. When you ask that question, you don't ask it into a void. What does the kingdom of God look like here and now? Actually, the king is present. There's a beautiful image of the, the Godhead, the king, Father, Son, and Spirit, each equal. The early church fathers termed it perichoresis, for those that are interested. Perichoresis is this relationship within the Godhead, an ongoing dance where Father, Son, and Spirit dance together and commune together and share hearts together. When Jesus invites us to pray, he invites us to join that dance. That's what he's inviting you to do, to dance with the Godhead here on earth. And so, in the what does the kingdom look like, dance with the king for a while. Dance with the king for a while and ask him to reveal to you what the kingdom of God looks like in the here and now. And I'm telling you, he will. He will do that. This is an outrageous privilege. If you knew that our prayer meetings are an invitation to you to come and dance with the king, Father, Son, and Spirit, to commune with the Godhead, would you turn up then? I hope you would. But of course, it's not just at our prayer meetings, it's wherever you get that invitation to dance with the king. And I think that's for this morning particularly. Our response must be to recognize the king of God's kingdom who loves us more than we could ever know. And the question in our hearts must be, what's my response to do I bow the knee to worship the sovereign king this morning? The sovereign king who is king over Corona. The sovereign king who is king over this whole cosmos. Is that the sovereign king that's sovereign over me? Is my will bowed before the will of the king? And when we pray your kingdom come, and when we pray your will be done, it's in me will be done in me as it is in heaven. That's my invitation to you and to me this morning. Can we be those who this morning recognize our place in this cosmic, before time began, story of God's kingdom? To recognize the saving love demonstrated in the King, King Jesus, and to bow the knee before him who saved us.
and to say, your will be done in my life, in me, as it is in heaven. We're going to sing this song, and as we do sing this song, my invitation to you is to join me at the front. If you can stay where you are, I think you can do this, and if you're not physically able, then please, that's fine. To come and kneel, simply as a response. Now, you can do that where you are. Please don't block too many aisles in case people need to get through. But come and there's plenty of room at the front and kneel with me. This is a symbol of me submitting my will before the King of Kings. Of me saying, I want to manifest your kingdom in my life and in this place today in the here and now. If you're able to kneel, kneel. If you're not, that's fine. God sees the attitude of your heart. So as we come to God, may we surrender our will and say, not yours, but mine be done. So as we sing, come to the front. There's going to be folks that will pray, and if this is particularly something where you feel your will has been clashing with the will of the king, well, this morning, there'll be people around that will pray with you, both at the side and at the back. But just for those who can, let's kneel before the king of kings.